competing for substitute and extra teachers to be deployed to schools to stand in for teachers with comorbidities. Naptosa's executive director, Basil Manuel, says the limited number of teachers at schools could compromise their ability to complete the curriculum. So whilst there was a limited number of learners at school, other teachers have been asked to fill in. And that seems to have worked in most places. However, now that we have the large cohort of kids returning, that is not going to work. And that is why we need those appointments. To date, we've only seen a meaningful movement in two of our nine provinces to get the replacements done on time. And that's most disconcerting. Student body COSAS is opposed to the resumption of schooling. COSAS Limpopo chairperson Skalo Mathadisa says the department rushed children back to school. Instead, we are saying at least grade 11s and grade 6 must come back to school due to the lack of infrastructure in, in our schools. Because we have been treating schools as an environment of learning and teaching. But if we can have learners who do not have classes which will accommodate them, then on its own, that is a crisis. We are saying the department must not be in a hurry. Meanwhile, the basic education department has sought to allay fears that some schools are without running water. They say they've ensured that water tanks deliver to the schools that have raised concerns. Spokesperson Elijah Mlanga says they've also ensured that health and safety protocols are in place. The water has been delivered. In fact, uh, remember in May and June when we were preparing for the opening of schools, we did indicate that we had uh, signed an agreement with Rainwater who was helping us to deliver water around the country in schools which did not have water. So the report that we are getting from all provinces is that all schools are going to open and that they all have uh, water tanks which uh, have been delivered to all the schools. I'm Tsepo Pakhani in Johannesburg. Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. Well, let's take a look at what the markets are up to on the first day of this new week. Uh, first National Bank Wealth and Investments, Wayne McCurry with us. Good afternoon, Wayne. Yes, I must say it's a very good afternoon. Markets incredibly strong here today, up almost 2%, 1.8%. And it's really right across the board. Resources up 2%, gold up 3%. It's only really the financials that aren't up as much. They're up about 1%. So the winning shares really on the resource side in Pala, Platinum, Northern Platinum, Kumba, all up 5 6%, Telcom up 4%. On the downside, Bitcorp is down 4%. They came up with a trading update today. Now, Bitcorp is a food services business based mainly in Europe, and you can imagine what lockdown has done to their, their business. So they said they've had to make almost 2 billion rand provisions and write-offs of stock and made provisions for bad debtors and writing down their investments and their earnings are going to be down about 40 or 50 percent so that share down three percent on the day the big winning shares the the heavyweight shares anglo-american and naspas both up two percent uh, richmond up one percent the rand very strong here today it's trading almost at 17 to the dollar well, more correctly, it's probably more dollar weakness than rand strength, but still it doesn't matter. It's still very good news for the country that the rand is strengthening and sitting just above 17. Uh, company news-wise, quite a bit of news out today. EPSA came up with a trading uh, statement. Sorry, they came up with actual results, and they said their earnings are going to be down essentially 90%. In other words, earnings disappeared for the six months to June. 
because of the the virus, and they've skipped their dividends. So we're seeing that with a lot of banks. So in fact, I think all the banks will probably uh, skip skip the dividend. Old Mutual also came out with a trading update for the six months ending June, and you can imagine what the COVID and the lockdown has done for their sales during this time period. But the results will be down, earnings will be down, call it 65%. Now, they haven't said anything about the dividend on that. And then the final bit of company news today, <laughs> famous brands, which I'm sure we all know, owns Tashes. Well, more correctly, they used to own Tashes. They are now selling their 51% interest back to Natasha, where the name Tasha comes from. And, uh, Sedaris, Natasha Sedaris started the business, and now they, they're going to own 100% again. So famous brands getting rid of a very well-known eating place, Tashes. So good on the day, and let's hope it continues. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Wayne, and uh, great to start the week off on a good note. Uh, Wayne McCurry is with First National Bank Wealth and Investments. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. Well, President Cyril Ramaphosa has strongly reprimanded Finance Minister Tito Mboweni for his tweets at the weekend criticizing the removal of Zambian Central Bank Governor Danny Kayala by President Edgar Lungu. Now, reacting to the news, Mboweni criticized the move and threatened to mobilize if not given reasons why Kayala had been fired, saying he'll... He was well. He, he hell was on its way, I should say rather. And uh, here's a statement issued earlier by Tyrone Seal, acting spokesperson for President Ramaphosa. The President of the Republic of South Africa, His Excellency Cyril Ramaphosa, has strongly reprimanded the Minister of Finance, Mr. Tito Mboweni, following comments made by the Minister on social media regarding the removal of Zambia's central bank, bank governor by Zambian President. Edgar Lungu. In one of his tweets, Minister Mboweni is promising to mobilize, if not given reasons why the central governor has been fired by President Lungu. President Ramaphosa wishes to assure the government and people of Zambia that the unfortunate remarks do not reflect the views of the South African government and its people. The issue is being addressed to ensure that such an incident does not occur again. South Africa and Zambia enjoyed strong historical relations dating back to the days of the struggle against apartheid. Mm. South Africa remains committed to maintaining the deep and solid bonds of friendship between the peoples of Zambia and South Africa. And uh, that, of course, was uh, Tyrone Seal, acting spokesperson for President Cyril Ramaphosa. The president has since distanced his government from Boweni's criticism, saying that the unfortunate remarks do not reflect the views of the South African government and its people. So to look into this a little further, we joined on the line by political and policy analyst Dr. Somatota Fikeni. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you, Sakina, and greetings to your listeners. Dr. Vikeni, first off, what's your reaction to this whole matter? Well, I do think that in terms of intergovernmental protocols, it was expected and it's the right thing to do because interference in other governments, especially by senior political leaders who are holding government positions, could be interpreted as the collective thinking and the formal position of government. So when we hear that uh, the president has severely reprimanded the finance minister, 
Do we know exactly what he was meant to have said in that reprimand? It's most likely going to read the riot act and also indicate what protocols allow between governments to be said and also the damage the comments would have made if left unchallenged and also to get a commitment that such future utterances are not made and uh, probably it might even trigger revisiting the whole notion of twitter because uh, the Twitter space is one thing when you release it, it's like a bullet. It's very difficult to recall. But why act against that now? Why reprimand him now? Because the Minister of Finance is known to say things on his Twitter account that have gone in the past against uh, what the Tripartite Alliance, for example, had agreed on. So why is it an issue now? Why is it a bigger issue now? Remember, internal debates within a country or a party are one thing. Intergovernmental relations, especially at the time when Cyril Ramaphosa is the chair of the AU, is yet another thing with huge implications. But also, this might be a reaction to a cumulative impact of these comments, which have now reached a critical point to say, if you leave it now, worse things could happen tomorrow. And also it leaves Tidombowene exposed in many ways because many have been salivating to counter him on some of the internal policies because in these hard economic times, he may actually be imposing austerity measures, whether we like it or not. And therefore to tackle him, they may use his free-spirited arrangement of commenting on issues to say he has to speak through the guidance of decisions taken either by the government or the party. So... On the back of the president having written that letter, which uh, some would say was quite stern, others thinking not, uh, is this a way of the president further flexing his muscle to try and bring order within his cabinet and within the party more broadly? He is flexing his muscles much as a reaction to what might be a very frustrating environment where you have to deal with this problem today and another one tomorrow. And it creates a notion that the sender is no longer holding, which is a criticism that has been accumulating against him after starting well with his support levels going up at the beginning of lockdown. Right now, it's a test of nerves and problems are coming from all directions and he has to show his mettle. Is Tito Mboweni then as finance minister uh, would you consider that to be, uh, for lack of a better phrase, low-hanging fruit uh, rather than dealing with more serious issues of fraud and corruption within the party? It's certainly not a low-hanging fruit when you do have such a profoundly unconventional approach to intergovernmental relations, more so for the sitting chairperson of AU. So on this one, he had to move or else face a sanction from several other heads of state which normally respect the sovereign right of each one of the countries unless things had gone beyond any control.
And remember that you would have also been left more exposed to say there are certain things happening within South Africa and we're not commenting directly on them. So those are some of the things which might have prompted him to move faster. Of course, this does not absolve him from dealing with more tricky issues, which involve some of the ANC political leaders and some of the decisions which are being taken which contradict the very message that he has been trying to convey. But how far can the president really move on Finance Minister Tito Mboweni, given that it would seem that uh, the the, the powerful business lobby in the country uh, seemingly are quite okay. They, they're good with Tito Mboweni as finance minister because we've seen in the past how they have reacted when they did not agree with the choice of finance minister. And of course, striking a balance with his international counterparts on the continent as president of the AU, given how uh, damaging those sentiments were, those remarks when the finance minister talks about mobilizing, how far can the president realistically go with this and Tito Mboweni? Well, I doubt it will go beyond the censure now, unless Tito Mboweni so choose to defy and post other tweets, in which case he may then face not just the president, but the ANC itself and its alliance partners. And uh, that would weaken him or even make his life uncomfortable to continue in his role. But for now, I think the censure itself is enough. And he will still continue in his role as the finance minister because it might be very difficult and even damaging to chop and change finance ministers right in the middle of a deep financial crisis that we've not seen in a long while. What about the other side to that argument with the, uh, those who may believe that Tito Mboweni is absolutely right and this is about African governments and presidents not being held accountable and doing too much of these type of things where they chop and change governors, for example, um, of these banks in order to suit their own political whims and fancies to line their pockets. That at face value might be true, but at the same time, we may not know what consultations went through Zambian political structures in which case we might be in a position which is precarious to make the judgment. But it is true that government should be held accountable. It would rather work better if it was AU stating that or peer review mechanism and other institutional arrangements made to do so. But if it comes from ministers, then you're likely going to find a situation. Remember that there was a time when a minister in Zambia once insulted our own president and government there had to quickly reprimand that minister. So if you do not move, ministers across the continent, 54 countries, would be taking turns, especially at the time when South Africa is quite vulnerable on many fronts due to its own internal weaknesses. Strong enough, uh, this particular transgression by the finance minister to have him fired, would you say, Professor? I doubt very much. That is far more remote from uh, him being fired 
but at the same time, cumulatively, it might weaken him in face of some of his opponents within the alliance partnership within the ANC. The more he makes the utterances outside what is seen as a collective, the more he renders himself weak, as many will challenge him and uh, place him as a maverick who is controversial. Well, Professor Somadota Figeni, thanks so much for your time. uh, Policy analyst and uh, political analyst as well, talking to us there about uh, the finance minister, Tito Mbueni's criticism, uh, saying that uh, the unfortunate, uh, rather uh, criticizing the Zambian government and the presidency coming out saying that the unfortunate remarks do not reflect the views of the South African government and its people. What are your views?